Hey, Howlers. Couple quick warnings before we get started today. First warning, there will be some cursing on this podcast. It contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising universe. If you have not read all of the books, you should read them first and then come back and listen to the podcast. There's also spoilers about all other series in the world. <laughs> we're just going to spoil everything. We're, That's we're, basically what we're this is world about. spoilers. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, and email us, howlerpod at gmail.com, with any comments, concerns, questions, tips, or tell us what you're into. Yep. Just look up howlerpod. We're everywhere. No nudies, please. Yeah, no nudes. And now... Howler Pie. Tell all who will hear the Reaper sails to Mars and he calls for an iron rain. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howler Pod, the one and only podcast for all things. Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising series by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow. I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today by the amazing, the wonderful Aaron Ayers. That's me, Low Howlers. We're here to talk about Golden Sun, <laughs> chapters 35 through 39. They should know it's Golden Sun by now. <laughs> Maybe they're we're just popping into the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we're like at the end of the book. It's getting pretty close. There's, uh, I believe, three pods left after this, guys. So that's well, fun. Until Morningstar. We'll right. never leave you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're stuck with us forever. All right, we got to talk about what actually happened in these chapters. Ben, let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Guess what we're doing today? <laughs> Iron Rain. Iron Rain, <laughs> Iron Rain. <laughs> All right, chapter 35. I'm going to get us started with tea time. Hold your pinky. Hor- hidden aboard the supply ship, Darrow and his friends are able to make their way onto Pliny's flagship, the Invictus. Once aboard, they walk through the hangar bay, unobstructed by the low colors working there. Darrow splits up his group, sending Mustang and the Telemonuses to the in- engineering bay. And the howlers to the engines and life support systems. Darrow and the remainder of the group head for the brig to free the golds that remained loyal to Augustus, including one Adrius uh, Augustus Jackal himself. They then head to the low color galley and meet up with Mustang and the Telemonuses. She's brought along a leechcraft dr- drill which Daryl uses to drill through the floor of the galley and right into the command room where Pliny and all of his followers are located. Daryl declares Pliny a traitor as his followers quickly turn on and then kill him, recognizing he's lost his power. We got to follow Daryl. He's a pixie bitch. Yep. They follow Daryl now, and uh, Daryl then declares he is sailing for Mars and calls for an iron ring. An iron ring. <laughs> Chapter 36, Lord of War. 
Darrow and his armada gather around the moon Phobos and prepare for the upcoming battle. Darrow addresses his army, declaring them the second conquerors, which is met by a great roar. <laughs> Afterward, he shares a quick moment with the jackal as they finalize their plans and discuss a prize, quote unquote. Quote fingers. Quote, um, air quoting, <laughs> prize located in Aegea, Darrow's personal target in the upcoming battle. Darrow and Roke then share a moment together, not a great moment, where Darrow tells him how sorry he is for shutting him out. Roke tells him that they will make amends later. Darrow then says his goodbyes to Lauren and Victra before confirming some final plans for the battle with Severo, who has sent a message to Ares via a holonet drop cache. Darrow then asks Severo if he's thought about the possibility of his daddy, dearest Fitchner, being present at the battle. Severo loses his smile and replies that he has not. That takes us to chapter 37, War. Severo and Darrow continue to talk as Darrow begins to doubt himself, asking Severo if he thinks Ares is even real or just some gold trick. Severo then howls to the rest of the hangar bay and the entire bay howls back, proving to Darrow that what they are doing is real. These people follow Darrow and Darrow alone. His purpose is theirs. Mustang then floats by, making her final preparations for the battle, and she is followed by a familiar face, Proctor Jupiter. He has been helping Mustang get information to and from the surface of Mars, as well as uh, keep communication up between forces that are still loyal to Augustus on the surface. He confirms to Darrow that all of the Bologna are in Aegea. Just before Darrow is to leave for the launch, he shares one last moment with Mustang as she conveys her worry for him and her father. Darrow attempts to comfort her, but she turns away before he can, telling him, we got a planet to invade. Cold. Yeah. Chapter 38. The <coughs> Iron Rain! We finally have made Iron it. Rain. Iron Rain! All right, Darrow and his friends share one last goodbye over their private comms as they wait to be launched from the spit tubes. Darrow then hails Mustang, telling her to stay alive. Hugs and kisses. Roke then gives the word, and the Iron Rain begins. Darrow is launched out into space and watches the battle taking place around him, helpless to everything going on, because he's flying at like... Sucking like a metal tube. He's going... Yeah. Through the air. He watches as Victra's mother turns on the Bologna, as Victra and the Jackal had promised. Good job, Victra. Darrow and the Howlers make landfall, but they are 300 kilometers, which I don't understand kilometers. <laughs> they're, like, not where they're supposed to be. So he locates Mustang, and they make their way over to her, joining up with her force. Then a frantic roke comes over Darrow's calm. He's telling him that the Sovereign is on Mars and her shuttle is trapped behind the shields on Aegea. Darrow says, I know. Which, couldn't he have, like, lied a little? Like, oh, cool, dude. Right. He should have. Darrow's like, yeah, dude, I know. You're stupid. <laughs> and then <laughs> he tells Roke that that's why he wanted to take Aegea all along. And Roke, hurt, hangs up without saying anything. Yep. That takes us to chapter 39, At the Wall. Like Aaron said, Roke bitterly hangs up the cum. Fine. Click. Fine. Like <laughs> like it's actually a telephone <laughs> yeah. with a cord. Darrow had been tracking Aja since their encounter on Europa, but had only told Mustang, Jackal, and Severo. 
The group continues to make their way toward Aegea as Darrow advises his small council and the Howlers of the Sovereign's presence. She is their prize and main focus. They make their way to just outside the walls of Aegea, and Darrow enacts his plan. They dive into the river that un- runs underneath the great walls of Aegea. There, Darrow finds uh, Ares' gift, a hole drilled in the grates, giving Darrow a tunnel inside the walls. Darrow and his force then gather together under the river on the other side of the wall and confirm their orders. Darrow is to find the sovereign. Ragnar is to open the gates. Mustang is to lower the shield. As Mustang departs, Darrow makes a promise to himself that if they both survive this, that he will tell her the truth. Darrow and the remaining force then activate their grab boots and fly up out of the river. As they float above the riverbank, a small brown girl stands below them on the shore. Severo goes to shoot her, but Darrow pushes his arm away. He then looks above, up above on the wall and sees Bologna knights and their obsidians watching and waiting the little girl presses a button on the small globe she is holding it's an emp darrow and his followers begin to die rise so high in mud you lie yep carnus really was he's real happy about that (laughs) all right that is the end of our chapter summaries for this week kind of ends on a cliffhanger yes which is hard it's hard to stop it's a hard place to stop. You're right. And it brings us to part four next week. Yes, Pretty exciting. Part four. All right. So, Ben, after reviewing these chapter summaries, what do you think the theme is for these chapters? Today's theme is reputation and glory. <gasps> Rise! <laughs> Rise, my son. <laughs> Take your glory. <laughs> so, a lot of uh, the happenings in these chapters, especially the earlier chapters of this uh, episode, have to do with everyone's reputation and the glory that the golds so so desperately hold on to. Right, and how they just like it's how it's just a part of their life, and like how much they really enjoy war and kind of crave it, and basically how Darrow and his reputation are growing to the point where he's becoming his own thing. Yes, he's he's already becoming a legend right. among people who don't know him, and his uh, stories precede him. So mm-hmm. he's uh, becoming a little more like Lauren, not quite. Yeah, and he's just building this following mm-hmm. uh, based on not only his deeds but also his reputation. With the golds, they fear him or they they wonder about him and they respect him. But with the low colors of his flagship. They follow him more with their hearts because yeah, they believe deeper. that he's a he's a better goal than the other golds. Right. So the first place we see this theme of reputation and glory is through the character of Lorne Arcos. Who has like the best, most long living reputation right. of this day and age. And his reputation like really legitimizes Darrow. A lot of the time like that right. really helps Darrow out a lot. Now that Darrow is linked to Lauren, not only through training, but also mm-hmm. through manipulating Lauren into being on <laughs> yeah. his team. Right. And the quote, this is when uh, they drill through the floor on the ship and land into Pliny's war camp council. And when Lauren drops down, the quote starts, Lorne uh, Arcos, his name rips through the place as Severo and Roke secure the doors leading into the room. 
Lorne makes a simple proclamation. If anyone comes within two meters of Darrow, I will kill everyone in this room. <laughs> so badass. <laughs> <laughs> they don't seem eager to call his bluff. The men I walk between jump backwards. Lorne's reputation carves a hole for me straight to Pliny. I don't break pace. Kill him! Pliny screams. <laughs> kill the Reaper! Kill the Reaper! A young man lurches forward and dies as his neighbor stabs him in the back. The neighbor looks fearfully to Lorne. 2.3 meters, Lorne says. Close. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I love that part, yeah. And so you can see just like that Lauren following Darrow in that moment basically just gives Darrow a platform to talk and for all these golds to listen to him. Lauren basically is Darrow's grav boots lifting him above <laughs> everyone else. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good call. And I love how these people are just like, they follow plenty. And then it's just like Darrow says, like they're the wind. They just follow power wherever it goes. And they, they almost seem like children being chastised because they're like, but you said he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> and Mustang's like, the Reaper lives. Yeah. You know? Yes, that they're was like, hilarious. They're like, you lied to us. You, we're going to kill you. <laughs> but even the Furies. Moira. Moira is like, nah, we're not going to fight Lorne. Like yeah. if Lorne wasn't there, the Furies would have. That, yeah, she's just smart. That's a calculated move right, right there. Right. Like, they know they're not going to win in any scenario like that. And Pliny isn't one who comes with a great reputation mm -hmm. because his his power is only in, like, gossip and stabbing people in the back. Right. And these golds respect physical power, mm -hmm. that power that Lauren brings with him by being, like, he's, like, 70. He's, like, an old guy. Right. But he could kick everyone's ass in that room right plenty because of his underhanded dealing and kind of his back room talking and that kind of stuff has gotten him to the point where he's the flavor of the week for this week but i mean now it's just darrow and you can see that with his crew on the ship like they let darrow and all of his followers walk all the way through the ship they don't say anything because they they prefer darrow they prefer to follow someone with power and they also don't want to die. Yes. But even then, it's <laughs> they're like, like oh, they're not. Hey, uh, Ragnar, yeah, I'm going to sit down. Right. It's not it's just like they're not super loyal to Pliny or anything. Like, no, nobody's yeah. Pliny, nobody's willing to die for Pliny. Pliny People are willing to die for Darrow. Yeah. Pliny doesn't inspire any yeah. following. He's just the person who sneaked his way to the top. Mm -hmm. And then in the same scene, you see how, how Pliny's like a sniveling little bitch and he doesn't have the honor to fight, you know, with his shoulders straight. He's right. like crying and like, Has someone help me. So <laughs> I feel bad talking about him because then he just like straight up dies. But um, Darrow even knows that in that moment he, he could be like tactus and like mercilessly mm -hmm. like beat Pliny up. But instead he like straightens him up and he's like, dude, you suck. I will leave you to your friends. Yeah. Yeah. And that's this uh, quote that we have here. I walk away, the eyes of all these peerless following me, abandoning Pliny. I hear a slurping sound and do not turn because I know what razors sound like when they kill. They didn't even wait. Pliny is forgotten. Just like that. Boo. Sucks, Pliny. Mm -hmm. Sucks to suck. With the theme this week, that's Lauren's reputation really. Uh, 
preventing any serious fighting, mm-hmm. and then also Pliny's lack of reputation. Right. No one's scared to stab P- Pliny in the back because he so easily stabs others in the back. Yeah, and he's never won anything, so it's just like... He's not even peerless. Right. He's just a pretty little pixie. Mm-hmm. One more point with Lawrence for reputation before we move on to another character. Uh, this comes later before the Iron Rain. And this is Lauren talking to Darrow. And this is kind of about Darrow's reputation. Lauren says, they ask me about you. They ask if the boy warlord is really four meters tall. Is he really followed by a wolf pack? Is he a world breaker? And what do you say? I said, you are five meters tall. You're followed by a midget and a giant. And you eat glass with your eggs. A second later, Lauren says, I don't like that you brought me here. I don't believe you're being the man you want to be. If you survive this and I don't, be better than the man who tricked his friend. So this is Lauren uh, warning Darrow against leading this uh, lifestyle Mm -hmm. where he's not being trustworthy to his friends. And Darrow says, I promise, even as he plans to trick him further. Yep. And it is kind of one of those things where... Lauren is this is kind of a warning to Darrow. Like he's like, I've been through all this. I've chased the glory. He has this giant reputation, and he's just like, it's not worth it. War is terrible. You can be happier in a different way. You don't have to be this. Right. And this is at the a later part in Lauren's life where he just wants to grow old and not see any more of his loved ones die. Mm-hmm. And Darrow is here bringing death to his front door. And Lauren is just pleading with Darrow that he's a better man, basically, than he was. Yeah, he's capable of more than what he's doing. Yeah. And we also think that, Darrow, you can do better. For sure. Be, be better to your friends. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on. We're still discussing the theme of reputation and glory, but we're going to use this in a different context here. And that's with just kind of like within the golden society and so this is as Darrow's force gathers outside Mars at the moon Phobos he talks about how these golds are kind of flocking to him because he's going for this this glory and this power and this war basically this is a quote from Darrow he says these golds have had power for so long look how they act they jump at the chance for war they come from near from far ships racing to join my armada as they learn that I have called for an iron rain, the first in 20 years. I use the jackal to spread the news, along with footage of Pliny's fall. Many of them are second sons and daughters who will not inherit their parents' estates, warmongers, duelists, the glory-hungry. And so you can see that just this idea of an iron rain, the first in 20 years, and the, the, the chance to claim glory. Yeah, they're like jumping out of their seats. Jumping right? at it. And this works both ways, because... Daryl goes on to talk about how not only are these people joining up with Daryl, the second sons and stuff like that, but there's also people on the other side right. trying to kill Daryl and just and to get glory, just to get their own glory and their earn their own reputation. And they're going to be searching for Daryl. They're like mercenaries or just people that aren't even really involved. Right. And they're just out, out to make a name for themselves. And to kind of further Ben's point, uh, this is a quote that Darrow's saying to all of his crew before the Iron Rain. He says, Every moment today will be captured by the holocams we've given you. 
like it was at the Institute and when I took the packs, the jackals idea. Each moment will be remembered. If you win glory, it will spread across the HCs of every world. If you shame yourself or your family, it will not fade with your death. So this just illustrates that not only um, are they fighting for their reputations, but they also have this accountability of the hollow cams. So right. they can um, almost be less fearful of dying because they're like, oh, people will remember this moment. I'm not dying in vain. Right. And this is part of Darrow's strategy. Like he learned this strategy in the Institute when they had Severo edit the footage and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Like he wants Bloody to control. Dumb. Right. <laughs> he wants to control the story about him. He's using the jackal to do that. Right. And that is all part of him building up his name, his reputation as the Reaper. And, mm -hmm. and it um, makes the enemy fear him even exactly. more. Exactly. People fear him and the other, like his followers, revere him. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's part of this. That's part of his strategy as part of this war is to control the messaging and control what's, what's going on. He does that often, like especially with the Sovereign, where she's, it's kind of, there's not only a physical war, but there's also kind of an information war going on. Yeah. And these golds are so up on their history and they they so respect the old golds the conquerors with this reputation spreading darrow's really building for himself uh, a reputation of being like the old conquerors mm -hmm. who everyone reveres as like the you know the conquerors of man and they're the ones who lifted gold up right so the golds who have been training for no reason are now excited to follow in iron gold mm-hmm and that kind of what you were talking about there with the iron golds and the old style that plays into this incantation that we wrote down from one of the whites right before they leave for war. Uh, they all like cut their hand and like spread it on their face. <laughs> stuff. It's like super Very ceremonial. <laughs> yeah. Remind me like Braveheart or something like that. Freedom. Uh, <laughs> it says, now that you bleed, you shall know no fear, no defeat, only victory. Your cowardice seeps from you. Your rage burns bright. Rise, warrior of gold, and take with you your color's might. That was a nice rhyme to it. Yeah. <laughs> well done. I forgot that there was whites in this scene. I'm always, every time a white pops up, I'm like, oh, hey. Oh, yeah, there's whites. <laughs> yeah. But this just uh, further illustrates that these golds want to be seen as the old conquerors. And that's mm -hmm. why he even says to them, this is the second conquering. Right. Like, you'll be remembered just as much as we remember the old conquerors. And he talks about that, too, where he's like, this is ridiculous. But also, he's like, I respect it. You know? Like, right. Yeah. He, he says he tries to, like, laugh it off. But it's it's too... He said it's, like, the beginning of this new world. Yeah. It's, it's very history. Meaningful. Like, they're history-making, basically. Yeah. He's like, this is, like, the pages of a history book or something. And I thought that was an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's move on to more Darrow-focused ideas around this theme of reputation and glory. Talking about this in the idea, or well, in the lens of Darrow, uh, he's kind of doubting himself at first. Like he's really questioning. Like he has a moment of doubt or self-doubt where he's like, "What am I doing?" He's talking to Severone. He says, "What if Ares isn't real? What if it's just a gold trick? Someone pulling strings to make society go the way they need it to go." What if it's all a lie? Several looks at me for a long moment. Then he hops up on a banister and howls at the top of his lungs down at the hangar bay. The bay howls back. 
Severo says, that's no lie. So he's just illustrating how, like, this isn't just the golds. Mm-hmm. It's everyone in the hangar bay, the, the oranges who are working, the reds. They're all inspired by Darrow, and they want to follow someone who talks directly to them and considers them as people worth saving. Right. And then it goes on to say, and that's when I see the standards of the Legion's fall replaced with something new. Gone is Augustus's lion. Instead, the high golden standards that the Legions carry to battle are packed with wolves and sling blades. These Legions are mine. And then... Uh, the the golds love me because of the victory and glory I bring. These other colors love me for something far different, something far more potent. Any other conquering gold would have vented the ship, but I did not, because they chose me instead of the golds who were once their masters. I gave them that chance. So this is that idea we were talking mm-hmm. about where Daryl's starting to transcend a little bit as like his own thing. He's got followers of his own. He's got these golds. They love him because he's, he's powerful, powerful mm-hmm. and he's building something, but they don't know what yet. And then it's this thing right here that the that quote talks about is what Daryl's really building underneath. And these low colors are starting to feel it. Yeah. That kind of plays right into this next quote from Severo. He says, every move you make today will be recorded and broadcast to every part of the solar system. This battle is to make the fleet yours. Act like a god, get followed like a god. Register, you are 20 years old. If you win Mars, Darrow, you become a living god. And so when you reveal what you really are, you transcend color. Yeah. So that's this idea where not only is Darrow building his reputation just as a gold, it's like this is becoming bigger. And once they find out he's a red, that empowers the reds so much by seeing how he's led all of these golds and mm-hmm. they've all willingly died for him. Mm-hmm. Then these reds are like, well, if you know, the most powerful peerless scarred in society are going to, is, if Daryl can get them behind them, then like, what can't we do? Right. It's this idea that golds have so much yearning for power. That's really all that they respect. Like once Daryl takes, if he takes Mars, like mm-hmm. the Mars. And the Sovereign, yeah. who's, who's in Aegea. If he takes her, takes that down, like they, no matter what he is, no matter what color he is, if the truth gets out, like no matter what, these people will still respect him because yeah. they he did something that none of them could do. Right. So it's, it's just. It's uh, inspiring, Ben. Right. He's, he's lighting the little coals under everyone. <laughs> Everyone's butts. He's getting everyone all fired up. He's telling everybody to rise. Rise, everybody. <laughs> everybody rise. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, he's giving all of these golds, especially, the chance to like honor their own families and their own lives. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, they're just living in opulence mm-hmm. and like bickering, basically, like Pliny was, you know, by like slandering each other behind each other's backs. Right. And he talks about that at one point where he's like all these people want power or whatever but nobody really wants to lead they all just want to follow right and he even says after that quote you just said about being a god what Mm -hmm. he's saying like i don't want people to follow i want them to be free it's about freedom but somehow everyone just wants to follow yeah i think that's just like the way this society is created just kind of it's built in to everybody that even the golds, like they want to be these iron golds and 
have the, all this power, but a lot of times they're just following each other around, you know, yeah. they, they don't really create stuff for themselves. They don't want to change the paradigm. Right. The ones that do stand out and are revered, like the Such Sovereign, Lorne. Lorne, stuff like that. And Even and Augustus. Yeah, the, the Ash Lord. It's just stuff like, stuff like that. But there's not very many of them. Yeah. Out of, you know, there's so many golds and then only a few are peerless. Mm-hmm. And then only like five out of those are like true have, iron have golds. stepped out of right. just being most powerful. They're like willing to take risks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's this week's theme of reputation and glory. I feel like that was a really good discussion. Great. <laughs> Let's move on well to done. our prime five. Yeah, that's five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. So we thought it was really cool that during this Iron Rain, and they're like hop, skip, and a jump across the mountains, and there's a griffin, blah, blah, blah. Then... All of a sudden, we're back at the Institute. Right. It's kind of a full circle moment. A full circle, yeah. Darrow is kind of bittersweet, like, thinking of, like, the times, like, where Titus was killed, he, where Mustang and him survived in the woods together. Mm-hmm. And now where he's at, everything looks so small. Right. And, you know, even even Olympus isn't, like, this mountain hovering over them like they just hop up there and they're killing the people hanging out it's kind of cool i think i think about like have you ever gone back to your high school or your middle school i was just about to say that it reminded me that yeah the halls are like narrow yeah like everything looks small because in your memory or in in the time that you were there like that was your whole world. Right. And then once you move on, it's so small when you go back. Yep. And now you just think about it, like, why did I care about that so much? Or why right. was that so or, important or why did to me? It, why did it even feel bigger than it yeah. is? You know? Yeah. So um, I thought that was a cool moment that I think we all as humans have experienced that. Mm-hmm. And Darrow experienced that nostalgia and kind of the bittersweetness of looking back on those memories. Mm-hmm. That's a good call. The next one in our Prime 5 is just the Iron Rain sequence. Iron Rain. Go back and read this chapter like multiple times. It's so good. I love the action writing from Pierce in this is so incredible. Cinematic. Extremely cinematic. Ready for a TV show. I don't think action gets written this way like in a lot of books. Like I just don't read action like this where it's so pulse pounding and it's so... Visceral. Yeah, visceral. And you can... And you're... He does a great job. Of, I'm not sure how he does it, but like the way he does his sequences and just mm-hmm. like one thing flows into the next thing, and then it just has this great sense of momentum. So like once it gets going, it's just breakneck pace, right? And then things are happening. It's just really awesome. I love how observant Darrow is when he's just in his star shell, yeah, flying towards Mars. He's just like looking at everything. He's like having all these thoughts. He's thinking about EO. Thinking about Mustang. And he's just like His watching. His friends are like exploding around yeah. him. He's just like watching these leechcraft hit ships and stuff yeah. like that. And it's just like. The one um, goal falling next to him, he doesn't know who it is. And yeah. then they like get destroyed. <laughs> he's like, he's so beautiful. And then yeah, he's he like just a Miltonian angel. Right. And then a missile explodes. <laughs> like a missile comes <laughs> out of nowhere. like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. He gets all nervous. I just thought that was like such a great image. Like the sun in the background. Uh-huh. And like this star shell floating through space and then a missile hits it and explodes it's right. like oh fuck and we're in died. war 
Oh, <laughs> and I think what Pierce gave us as readers is he kind of prepped us for this moment mm-hmm. with the other star shells uh, and boarding onto other ships. We kind of have already felt the excitement and danger of like being in that situation. And then he builds up to the Iron Rain where it's like, even tenfold with way yeah. more people and way more guns. It does not, yeah, it does not disappoint at all. Like we had heard about this since the original Red Rising book, and you'd heard rumors about Iron Rains, and like you're just thinking about what is that or whatever, and you know, and Darrow yeah, and some suspense, yeah, for it. Pierce just completely delivers on it. Yeah, because he's the best. And then Severo lands and pukes like a little pixie. <laughs> Come on, Severo. It's because he's half red. We love Pierce. Good job writing. Thank you. Good job on the writing, Pierce. Hey, I don't know if anyone said this to you, but you're good at writing books and stuff. So (laughs) we like the Iron Rain. Also, building up to the Iron Rain again with Severo speaking Latin, being all nervous. Mm -hmm. Uh, Darrow again reaching out to Mustang. We kind of like get the same That's sequence. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's the same routine that we went through mm-hmm. uh, before the last star shell sequence. And you, s- you kind of feel that like, okay, don't look up. You'll break your neck. Right. Like we, like I'm actually prepared, I think <laughs> to do an iron rain myself, <laughs> you know? Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> I learned some Latin. Yeah. Don't look up. Call Mustang. Exactly. I'm ready. Exactly. Don't shit your suit. Don't shit my suit. I definitely would because, like, oh, sure. I've actually shit my pants. <laughs> like, just in real life. I have. So, like, I'm sure Darrow's never just pooped his pants for no reason. Also, we get some rokes, snaky. I love you guys. Oh, yeah. And everyone's like, Ugh. like What a freaking snake. So, everyone's like, what a pixie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Roke, Roke is uh, very... Um, not ethereal, but very like uh, poetic. Oh, because yeah. he's a poet. <laughs> yeah, Roke like brings a lot of weight to the situation, yeah. while Severo tries to laugh it off. And like, and that's were, a cool dichotomy between those two, right? And like you were talking about, we were talking about this before we started recording. We feel like Roke's already up to stuff at this point, dude. So like, I the whole time I was reading, I was suspicious. Like, wait. I can't remember. Does he already know? Yeah. About Darrow? No, yeah. And same with Jackal. I was like, he's being weird, too. I'm not trusting these guys. Mm-hmm. And then he just tells him he loves him. Come on. <laughs> and the way he kind of blows... Oh, wait. This brings us to our next frame five. Is Roke and Darrow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's sneaky, sneaky. And then um, Roke, uh, when Darrow tries to apologize, he says, we can make amends later. Make amends later. Exactly. Which is when I got suspicious. I was like, why? Does he already know something? (laughs) I want... He's already... I think he does tell him he's he's been suspicious ever since the The stick in the neck. Uh, But I wanted to talk about specifically just Roke and Daryl's relationship because I just feel like it's an interesting dichotomy between the things that Daryl says in these chapters and the way he treats some of his friends versus the way he handles Roke. It's just like... He, and Tactus. Right. He literally talks about, like, I'm going to survive this because of my friends. My friends are the most important thing. I have to trust my friends. And then and that he's like, and I need to forgive Roke because of that, or need to say I'm sorry to Roke because of that. Then he just spends the rest of the chapters not doing that. 
yeah. and he's still hiding stuff from him. He still is not being truthful with him. Like I don't know what he He's being a hypocrite. Right. And he he doesn't tell him about the sovereign being there and he goes, It's because of the way Roke's acting. Yeah, but, but like, isn't he kind of acting like that because of exactly. the way Daryl's treating him? Because <laughs> you're not repairing your relationship with him, and then you're saying like multiple times that I have to trust people, I have to trust my friends, I'm going to tell Mustang that I'm a red after this is over. Yeah, and uh, he, he like immediately was like, oh, I'll tell Ragnar, even though I just met him. Right. He seems chill. And so it's just like, why is it? Is it because he knows that Roke's never going to be able to understand, maybe? It's just like, I just do feel like Darrow is being hypocritical in this situation where he's, and I'm not trying to ride for Roke, like fuck Roke, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but anyway, I can can kind of see, you know, a lot of where he's coming from. And I just think that Darrow is saying one thing, doing another. He's not listening to the advice that he's like repeating to himself over and over and over again. Right. It's just interesting the way that plays out with Roke particularly. Back to Pierce's storytelling. I think it's great that like our protagonist is someone that we can really get behind, but who we also see so many faults in. Mm-hmm. It really kind of makes him a real person. Right. Like he's he's not always doing the right thing and neither are we. Like, you know. Right. I've heard that like as a criticism of the book is that Darrow's too good at everything and But not this. Right. And I think <laughs> this is one of those things where like Darrow's clearly fucking up, and right. he and he does this. And as we know, a he, lot. he fucks up again. Right, he kills Wolfgar, and like you know, yeah. leaves Mustang. Yeah, so like, yeah, maybe he's good at fighting, too good at fighting, or something like that. I guess I can see that criticism, but I don't really agree with it. Uh, but I can see he where it's coming from. He was carved to be like the best fighter, right? Why, why isn't that, anyways? But I do think like the the way that that balances it out balances out is stuff like this where right. like he doesn't handle his he relationships thing, yeah. correctly or can't, has a tough time navigating that. And so uh, I just think that this is this Roke and Daryl relationship is really, I'm really, really enjoying it on this reread. Yeah. I'm paying like really close attention to it. It has a lot it. more weight yeah. this time around. Mm-hmm. Moving on to our next part, but <laughs> another thing I'm enjoying like more than ever is just Severo. He's so awesome. I've always loved him, but like I don't know for some reason I love him like even more. I know. You know. Yes. So our, our him, love continues to grow. I mean, I my love is boundless for Severo. It could never wane. But Severo singing over the calm to Pliny, that whole sequence is one of our prime five because. Just Severo's such a gem. He brings, you know, he's such a little shitty shithead, but he brings like this comedy yep. to these situations. Mm-hmm. So him singing the song, you know, if your legs lit wet, it's because the reapers come to curl. Um, and then Ragnar as well in this moment. Ragnar yes, we add in the other gem, Ragnar. Right. Ragnar throws the table and it almost hits him and he's like, Severo's like, control your stain, Darrow. <laughs> yeah. And Dar- uh, Ragnar goes, rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> you squawk like a like a chicken. <laughs> and Severo's like, he can't insult me. <laughs> and Darrow's just like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> good luck. That was, uh, I love that, that whole sequence. I also love when, in that part, when, 
they walk into the mess hall uh-huh. or whatever and everybody's super quiet you can imagine all these low colors like, just like everyone turning to look <laughs> the at the silverware like clicking <laughs> on the <laughs> yeah. table like all these golds walk in and then ragnar walks in and one little brown just goes ah! <laughs> 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 and runs away <laughs> no his friends like cover his mouth it's like straight out of a movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how huge and scary Ragnar is. That's <laughs> so funny. I love it. You squawk like a chicken. You squawk like a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole rhyming thing. That's like Andre the Giant in uh, uh, what's that movie? Bride. Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. He's quick rhyming now. I mean it. Does anybody want a peanut? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that takes us to our final Prime 5, and that's Darrow and his relationship with the Jackal, because I'm tired of this. (laughs) Darrow keeps saying he doesn't trust the Jackal, but he totally, totally does. I know. It's like, stop. Stop it, dude. Yeah, um, Daxo's like, dude, don't, like, definitely don't trust him. And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. You can't trust him. And Darrow's like, I don't. It's out of necessity. Except you're having little soft whisperings in his ear about, hey, yeah. maybe you're a good guy after He's all. Like, thank you. Thanks for saving Mustang. Uh. You're in, uh, thanks for trying with Quinn. Uh, yeah. You tried it's so like, hard. No, Daryl! <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> Stop being a dumbass. Speaking of how Daryl's not perfect. Right. And he just like, this is all. Jacko clearly is insane. Right. Is this, uh, and that's what I want to know. Is this a mistake or is this like hubris on Daryl's part where he thinks that he can outthink the jackal or he can outmaneuver the or jackal? That maybe he can like change the jackal. Yeah, I don't know. Make maybe. Make him a better man. Is he, yeah, because that, that's kind of what he's alluding to yeah, there he when he says that. him a better man than he knows. Right. And I love the jackal's response that, please don't tell me we're getting sentimental. He's like. <laughs> No, but yeah, they're kind of like having a buddy-buddy, like elbowing each other. Right. And Severo's over there like, dude, what the fuck? Exactly. Everyone hates that That's guy. another, also we should have mentioned this with the Roke-Darrow thing, is like yeah. Jackal and Darrow have a moment where they're very obviously familiar with each other. They have made Talking plans. about the prize. Talking about yeah. Aja getting away. Yes. And then they had obviously had had like familiarity and plans with each other. And Roke notices that pass between them. That's another thing that Daryl's not telling him yeah. about. It's just like... Dude, Rogue's just getting shit on. He really is, kind of. So, Daryl, not perfect. Also, he says he doesn't trust Jackal, but he totally does. I'm calling him out on it. He'll learn his lesson. He's going to learn his lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty soon, right? All right. Now that we've finished our Prime 5, it's time to name our Primus of the Week. Where we choose the one character who conquered our Proctors of Plot. And rose above the rest. This week's Primus is... Lorne Ah Argos. (laughs) We didn't have a great choice this week. I think he's the best choice. He should win. Lorne is a good choice. He's like the Primus of all history. I should have said... Historical Primus. I should have said we didn't have an obvious choice this week. Not obvious, but the reason we chose Lorne is... He is a badass. <laughs> That's our one bullet point. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, if you think about like the way that Darrow is lifted up just by Lauren being there, I mean, that shoots him ahead like mm-hmm. 10 years of campaigning. You right. know? 
Yep, it adds a lot of legitimacy to Darrow's campaign. Yeah. And also, like, he has really good advice to Darrow about, like, war. War being actually terrible. Yeah. And, like, like this Achilles is not what you want. Achilles didn't die well. Or Homer, who? It was Achilles. Achilles. Yeah. yeah. And this is not what you want. It's like, yeah, you're out there chasing this this power and glory, but it's not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah, it's not real. He it's has, like, the wisest thing to say. Death and piss. And all your friends die and your sons die. Yep. It's not worth, quote, unquote, glory. Right. And... Daryl realizes that as soon as the iron rain starts, he's like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's talking about how scared he is. And just like, I love how he has the, he's like, I'm really fearful or I'm filled with fear. He feels like a little boy. He wants right. to, his mom to hold him. He's like, but I'm most afraid of hot metal. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I was like, that's yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And how, um, the, you know, technology of war makes it, you, you can't like, see your enemy coming you just die without knowing it right. no shout into the wind right yep so uh i don't think darrow should be a winner this week and i think that our best choice here is lauren bullet he's, point he's a badass he's a badass. he ain't no pixie <laughs> ain't no pixies here all right you know what it's time for what are we into this week i'll go first okay this week I would like to recommend... Nerd alert! <laughs> As you guys know, I am uh, a huge fan of Star Wars. Han Solo. Is my favorite person ever created. <laughs> and I want to recommend you guys listen to the scores from the last two movies, Force Awakens and Last Jedi. I listen to them a lot. I love listening to music in the background while I'm doing other things. So like if I'm editing like the podcast or reading a book or... Uh, working on the computer or something like that. I always like to have music on, but I don't like it to be super complicated. Like no music. words. Yeah, and so I listen to movie scores a lot. I think that these two scores are wonderful, highly underrated. Uh, people don't talk about them probably because there's not like a huge standout single track that really popped, but there are some really amazing... Sorry. There's some really amazing songs on there. And I think John uh, Williams is incredible. These two scores are completely slept on. They should have gotten more uh, note. And like the way he weaves in motifs from the original trilogy to this new trilogy, amazing. Also, Ray's theme is the best song on there. I love it so much. You should listen to it. Scavenger, Ray's theme, Kylo Ren's theme, also good. And I would highly suggest listening to those while you're working on something like I do. Aaron, what are you into this week? Hey, Ben. This is my third game recommendation. I like games. I love these. I like playing games. <laughs> uh, so this is called Trivia Murder Party. Ben has played this with me slash beat me every time he's played it. It's still fun. I'm much better than her. So <laughs> 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 this is on... Um, your Xbox, uh, Amazon Fire TV, PS4, Nintendo Switch, or you can get it on your computer. It's $25. You can get on Apple TV, too. Apple TV is one. Um, so what you have to buy is it's called Jackbox Party Pack number three, and that comes with other games in the party pack. There's Fakin' It, Quiplash, Gaspionage, TKO, and then Trivia Murder Party. They're all pretty fun. They're all fun, but not 
the best ever is Trivia Murder Party. Yeah, that's definitely the best. Basically, it's trivia, and um, your friends can answer the trivia questions on their smartphones. So you don't need remote controls. You right. just answer on your phone. Um, you connect through like a web page on your phone with a code. And then you can play with one to eight players. And it's super murdery. It's kind of like Saw. Yeah. Like you're trapped in a room and you have to answer questions. You have to answer trivia questions to survive. And there's survive. lots of murdery noises. And yeah. then your characters are like voodoo dolls that die and then you become a ghost. It's really fun. It's fun. So and it also makes you like kind of nervous. Like, yeah, you get nervous because like you're you're about to die and it, they scream they're like ah! it has a heart beating in the background a lot of the time yeah, so you're like it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's real murdery but you're answering like actual trivia questions yeah real you know trivia. Mm-hmm. like what's the sixth planet from the sun and you have to like answer real quick yeah. really quick mm-hmm. um and then also you can know which one of your friends is an idiot if they're answering them and all make wrong. fun of them mercilessly there's also the one in bad <laughs> There's like a, a bonus round where like two people will go head to head and you have to like answer m- basic math questions and whoever answers it faster is like winning. And I cannot do basic math under pressure. It's like, you know, four minus 17. I'm like, I don't fucking know. Negative something. And you just like type in the answer. It's, it's real fun. So it's called Trivia Murder Party on Jackbox Party Pack 3. And Star Wars scores. John Williams. John Williams. All right. What's coming up next episode on HowlerPod? It's part four, chapters Ooh. 40 through 46. Is that in Golden Sun <laughs> by Pierce Brown? Uh, oh, Pierce Brown? You mean Baby <laughs> Blues? <laughs> yes. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Check out that Etsy store. Some cool hats and shirts and maybe yeah, a stickers. sticker. We got some stickers. There's a sticker there. Uh, also, if you'd like to send in a question that we would answer on the pod, email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. We'll answer it. Or just send an iron rain to our DMs what would that on Instagram. Mean? <laughs> I have no idea. No nudes. <laughs> no nudes. <laughs> uh, or if you have a suggestion for the podcast or something that you would like us to talk about. Yeah. Feel free to send Tell those us ideas you're in. Into, we we'll, love interacting. We'll add what you're into and we'll say your name With if you our wish. Howler Pod also, fans. Rate and review only five stars. We don't want our Uber rating to drop. <laughs> We're all five stars so far. You guys have been doing amazing. If you guys have dropped a review, we appreciate it so, Thank you so freaking much. much. We love you all. Thank you, Howlers. Omnisphere Lupus. Oh! oh.